anything wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. Heart attack. We used heart attack. Lee. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans bomb pro armor? The castration of the major league baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win. 30 seconds or less about Ben Simmons scoring zero points in the game the other day. Number one, you don't go zero for three from the field while playing an entire game without it being premeditated that you weren't going to score. And if you're not going to score over the course of the game, if your intention is to revolutionize the NBA by not being a scorer, you got to win the game. And the fact that the Nets didn't win this game was a bad look for Ben Simmons. I'm going to spend most of this program previewing... The NFL matchups as we get course, oh, get set for the first playoff weekend in the NFL, wild card weekend, six games over the course of three days. You're going to have a Monday night game with Dallas and Tampa Bay. The first thing I wanted to talk about, a little bit about the Giants and Brian Dable. You're talking about a coach that has come in and really changed the culture of a team. And if you look at the Giants and you compare their roster to last year, yes, Kevon Thibodeau has been a, a very big presence for them. They've had other players that have stepped up over the course of the last year or so. But you're essentially talking about one coach taking over the same roster. The same roster that Joe Judge had, for the most part, over the prior two seasons. And the fact that you know Joe Judge was let go after two seasons, you know, was a boiling point for me, a talking point. One of whom I've brought up many times on this show about the lack of a leash that's given to the pro football head coach, which I disagree with. You, know, you heard me talk about David Culley and Lovey Smith both getting one year to fix a terrible Houston Texans team. I didn't think that was long enough. You need to leave a coach around a little longer to try to figure out if it's working or not. Yet, I kind of did agree with Jacksonville's removal of Urban Meyer and the Denver Broncos moving on from Nathaniel Hackett, both cases less than their first season on the job. And the reason I say that is it's something that you couldn't have predicted going in. But when it came to Urban Meyer, you were going to say, hey, this guy is either going to be really good or really bad. An all-time great college football head coach, Urban Meyer was. There's no way you could dispute that. To me, I could look at the history of college football I can't name 10 all-time great and better head coaches without having to throw Urban Meyer's name in there. Now, that doesn't mean, as an NFL head coach, he may have fallen on his face and looked like one of the worst in the history of the sport. He had that same type of mindset. I don't think his message, his attitude, and the way he conducted himself endeared himself to the pro football player. It may have worked for college players, and you obviously understand the difference between a, a college player that is out there trying to prove something and is amateur, isn't getting paid anything. In the NFL, you're talking about the star players and the team making millions and millions of dollars more than a head coach. So there is an important part for the coach to be more of that guy that relates to the players. You've got to be a little bit of a player's coach in the NFL to succeed. doesn't mean you can't be tough. You know, Bill Parcells was tough. You look at Brian Dable, and he kind of gives you the impression that he's tough as, as a head coach. But you have to also get the players to buy in. Urban Meyer was unable to do that. Nathaniel Hackett's failures, I just think he might have been in a little over, a little over his head. 
I mean, the fact that the guy was a successful offensive coordinator and had Aaron Rodgers and his father was a coach in the NFL, all these things worked good for him to make you think that he was supposed to be good. And he inherited uh, one of the teams that were considered to be on the biggest rise in the NFL, the Denver Broncos, a team that didn't have a quarterback last year or had Teddy Bridgewater, who was kind of a stopgap, but didn't have an all-time star quarterback. They go out there and they get the future Hall of Famer in Russell Wilson, and the expectations were that the Broncos were supposed to succeed. And you heard me debate on this show whether it was more Hackett just not being a job, the, the guy for the job. How much does this get thrown on Russell Wilson? And there's going to be discussion once we get through the playoffs and the Super Bowl, and maybe even beforehand. Who's going to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos? Are they going to bring in Sean Payton? And if Sean Payton ends up getting this job in Denver, he's going to be expected to get you know, Drew Brees type of production out of Russell Wilson and all of a sudden turn that offense around. There's nobody you could think of outside of, I don't know, you know, maybe a, a, a Tom Landry or you know, Chuck Knoll or something like that. But you know, what 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 are you gonna do in Denver? I, I think I don't think you could go to a coordinator with no head coaching experience. You gotta go to, with somebody that has won Super Bowls, you won a Super Bowl at least, and has that um I don't know, that it I don't think you could quantify uh, that it by by giving a word to it. Sean Payton is that dude. He's expected wherever he ends up coaching again, which I don't think he's going to spend the rest of his uh, adult life in a, in the uh, studio working for one of the networks. But I, I think that would be a huge upgrade from an expectation standpoint. And then you're going to find out a lot more about Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson struggles with Sean Payton, you know he's not going to win that power struggle. He might win that power struggle with Nathaniel Hackett, who's in his first season as a head football coach in the National Football League. But he's not going to win that against... Sean Payton. You know, I think about Doug Peterson, who took over for Urban Meyer, who didn't last that full season in Jacksonville. And you wonder how much the roster has changed. It has a little bit. Christian Kirk has been a big-time player. They've brought in the, the amount of money that they've spent in off-season dollars has equated to the little bit of a better roster that they have. But Trevor Lawrence who looked a little bit overmatched at times in his first season. But remember, Troy Aikman did too. Peyton Manning did in his first season. So there's examples of all-time great pro football quarterbacks that took more than a first season to get it going. So I think Doug Peterson benefited from Trevor Lawrence being in his second year, maybe getting some of the wrinkles and the, the, the mishaps out in season number one. But also... His reputation as a an NFL head coach, number one, which Urban Meyer was not, and number two, an offensive-minded head coach that has had success in the league. He was part of the reason. Yes, Frank Reich was there, but his offensive-minded uh, mentality and what he did for that offense in Philadelphia was a major reason that they were able to win a Super Bowl there. Certainly after Carson Wentz gets hurt and Nick Foles takes over, you know, you, you're looking at an improbable run and certainly a game against the New England Patriots that was probably the best game that Nick Foles played in his life. Now, you give Nick Foles a ton of credit, but you also want to credit coaching there as well. And I've said on this program, and it's kind of been a back and forth type of thing, but when it comes to coaches in the NFL, I agree 
that there is no more prestigious position in all of sports, whether it's a head coach in basketball or hockey or a manager in Major League Baseball. The pro football head coach is expected to do the most in the shortest amount of time. That's as far as I've gone to agree with you know, that, that sort of mentality. So my take on it is that you want to give the coach at least a couple of years to implement their own system because they're bringing in all their own coaches, um, a lot of the selections of who their staff is, but the co- configuration of their staff and what they think is important is really all within that mind of the coach that you're hired. Denver hires Sean Payton. You know, there's going to be an entirely different head coach and a structure and staff than there is when Nathaniel Hackett was there in Denver, just like the Giants. Brian Dables bringing in his own people. Wink Martindale comes from outside of the organization to be the defensive coordinator. It's a completely different look from a coaching staff, but most importantly, from a philosophy and what the players can expect in the way they play football. And the reason that I've been on this take where you can't fire a coach after two years is you really need three years, in my opinion, to have that sort of cohesion and understand that this is the this is the way the organization is going to run. This is the way the coaching staff is going to coach the players. This is what we could expect going forward. And by the end of year three, if you don't feel like you're in the right position, then absolutely fire the coach, get rid of the coaching staff, and move on. But sometimes it does take a couple years. Now, what we've seen with the Giants is one of those examples that you could find the difference between the right guy and the wrong guy. And Brian Dable's success with the Giants and the fact that they're in the playoffs traveling to Minnesota with a playoff game to play on Sunday, the 15th day of January 2023, is that Joe Judge was probably the wrong guy for that team. Brian Dable, with a very similar amount of personnel, got a lot more out of the Giants than Joe Judge did in the two seasons he was there. And I think that's something very worthy to bring up because it's a counteraction against my argument where I believe that you need three years for a head coach in the NFL to to, to know if you got the right guy or not. I mean, I think Brian Dable has proven that not only Joe Judge isn't the right guy, but Pat Shermer isn't the right guy, and Ben McAdoo is not the right guy. So the Giants, who have had a lineage of coaches really going back to Parcells, Ray Hanley didn't last very long, but Dan Reeves was there for a significant amount of time. Jim Fossil was there for a significant amount of time. And, of course, we know how long Tom Coughlin was there, which was even longer. The Giants are known for sticking around with their coaches and not doing what they've done over the course of the last decade. And it's two-year and out, something that I didn't believe was the right philosophy for them Maybe right now they've landed on the appropriate ground when it comes to Brian Dable and being the head coach of the future. Which, by the way, Daniel Jones looks like he's going to be the quarterback for the next couple of years for the Giants. He's going to get an extension. When we're talking about quarterbacks and extensions, I'm going to um, effectively transition to Lamar Jackson. The belief is that he's going to be the Ravens quarterback at a significant future. He's not going to play this weekend. There's a chance that their third-string quarterback may be playing this weekend. Miami's going to be playing with their third-string quarterback. The future of Lamar Jackson is going to be very interesting to see. Now, I compare this to Aaron Judge and the Yankees because I, I could not envision a scenario 
than Aaron Judge was going to be playing baseball for anywhere else but New York with the Yankees. So when it comes to Lamar Jackson, I kind of feel the same thing. Um, John Harbaugh has designated and set up the offense in Baltimore to be more centered around Lamar Jackson than very than other offenses are for their quarterbacks in the National Football League. In other words, Tyler Huntley is basically a clone or a, I don't know, a poor man's version of Lamar Jackson. Somebody that plays the game the same way as he does, so they don't have to change their offense. So I would be surprised if Baltimore, from their angle, was looking to move on from Jackson because that would require them to change their offense entirely. Let's say hypothetically, we're talking about Baker Mayfield last year being replaced by Deshaun Watson, two different quarterbacks with two different styles. Now let's say Derek Carr was traded for by the Ravens. They say, hey, I want to switch the offense. I want Derek Carr to run, obviously, a different kind of offense that he had for Lamar Jackson. You might need different coaches to do it differently. Now, obviously, if Lamar Jackson was a free agent, there wouldn't be any shortage of teams that would be out there looking for services. I want him as a Titans fan. I'd want him to be the quarterback of my team. Um, the Jets would love to have Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. You know, The Raiders, who are moving on from Derek Carr, would, would take Lamar Jackson in a heartbeat. Like I said, you're talking about 10, 12, and the number could grow to probably about 15 teams that would look at Lamar Jackson and say, unequivocally, this man is an upgrade for what we have in our position. My feeling is that the Ravens can't allow Jackson to either be traded or end up going to free agency ultimately and signing with another team. Because I think you, know, you look at Lamar Jackson's style, and I always get into this conversation because I really do feel that there is a racial element that is maybe the... the unspoken about elephant in the room when it comes to black quarterbacks in the National Football League. And uh, You go back to Doug Williams and his treatment with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and unfortunately there was an old school mentality that was racially motivated and they didn't want to see black men in strong positions. That's why we have the issue when it, come, when it comes to coaching in the NFL. You have to have the Rooney rule out there. You have to uh, force teams to interview more black entities. For whatever reason, this is something that should be squashed and well under the rug and forgotten about in the year of 2023, and it isn't. Now, I don't believe that there's racial undertones to the Ravens and their relationship with Lamar Jackson, but what I do believe is the style of football that he plays, being a run-first quarterback. Now, he does have a good arm. He's won an MVP, but the fact that he is more susceptible to injury would up the amount of risk when it comes to management when you're trying to figure out, hey, this guy is going to be the same over the course of five or six years. Michael Vick may not have been that way. But you could compare to, let's say, a white quarterback of Daniel Jones. He takes a couple more hits than he needs to. He kind of is, even though he's a pocket passer, has that running ability that if you're equating over the course of the value of a contract for years upon years. But I'm going to take all that information and just squash it and throw it aside as I finish with this. Because we understand that the contract in the National Football League average is not guaranteed. 
We talk about one player in the history of the sport, Deshaun Watson, to sign a fully guaranteed contract. There's an understanding that there's risk that is taking when it's coming to being an NFL player as opposed to another sport. They may not be able to play in a year because of a hit they could take. Anything that could happen on the field. God forbid you see a situation that happened with Demar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills the other, you know, a couple weeks ago. You know, that's just shows the shelf life of an NFL player. It could be there, and all of a sudden it can't be there. And with that is the reason that contracts are negotiated to a point where they're not fully guaranteed. It is Lamar Jackson looking for a full, fully guaranteed contract? Be a tough sell, and it would be tough to leverage Deshaun Watson against Lamar Jackson. But my thought has been: once you guarantee the first contract completely. In the NFL, it's a stepping stone to expect some of the other players down the road to get something similar. And that may be what's holding up Lamar Jackson in his negotiation with the Baltimore Ravens. Does he want a 100% guaranteed contract? Does he deserve it? Listen, I'm in favor of it. If he got it, I would have no objections whatsoever. It's up to the Ravens and what they think. But once again, they're still in a position right now where they have leverage. They could franchise tag him for next year. And there's a chance that Lamar Jackson may not play. Le'Veon Bell decided that. Says, hey, I'm not going to play on a franchise tag. I've played X amount of years in the NFL. I've performed at a high level. And what do I got to go prove that I could be healthy for one more year before I could get you know, big time money? He said he wasn't doing it. And I would expect to see more players doing that. The question is, Lamar Jackson in his age, is he willing to sit out an entire season to prove that same point? It's going to be something that's going to be worth thinking about. Like I said, plenty of teams in the NFL would love to have Lamar Jackson, but I don't think there's a team in the NFL that doesn't need him, that needs him as much as the Baltimore Ravens. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Another reminder... Catch a show on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. We'll be back with you probably in a couple days. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out. As the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude who plays a dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at it. Well, we're going to go to the 
their tail between their legs, decided they're gonna do exactly what they're told. You damn well right, better give him a contract extension. You damn well right, better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.